boy, I used to just be able to get up and, and just, you know, practically run no problem. Yeah. Now it's like five blocks from the car. I'm like clutching my chest and out of breath on the floor and my flesh starts falling off. Yeah. 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 I know how that goes. I'm, I'm actually fleshless right now. Really? Is that, um, is that why we don't do videos on the, uh, non-interview? Okay. Gotcha. (laughs) You're afraid that I'll see you not in the flesh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Literally and figuratively. (laughs) So there you have it, folks. That's the reason why we don't do video podcasts. Uh, We're we're both out of the, we, we we take our flesh off before we talk. thrust where we uh well i continue to butcher the intro but we also discuss and review underground experimental and extreme music with a focus on iowa and midwest music scene wow that's a lot of music it's a lot of music there's a lot of musics musics going on yeah i remember there was an eminem interview that i saw one time and he said uh I like a lot of different musics or something like that. Wow. Yeah. I, um, I mean, he's a professional, so he must know. Yeah, the he right, must. The right nomenclature. <laughs> yeah, nomenclature. That's a that's a heck of a word, Eric. Oh, thanks. I made it up myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were just like, I gotta, I gotta say something. That's what I should start doing. Just make up words, and then I'll sound extra smart because. Literally, no one else will know that word. Well, everything else is made up, so. Oh, yeah, all words are made up. Shit, I always forget that. Yeah, so, I mean, who are they to say that what we're saying is not true? Yeah, and also, Um, who are they? Yeah, and who are they? Um, Well, I would assume that they are somebody who is not me. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, the other. Sure, I get it. The uh, yeah the other there you go I mm-hmm. cleared things up very very good there <laughs> didn't I um, so I have a couple of uh, interesting well one one's a sad news story but Jerry Springer oh Jerry Springer died yes I did hear that yeah yep. seventy nine years old I used to I used to kind of get a laugh at his show uh, mm-hmm. weird times in the nineties um, yeah but things yeah. were different. Man. Things were different back when we could laugh at people less fortunate than us. Yeah, and not and not have to feel bad about it. Yeah, I mean there was no room for feelings back then. You know, mm-hmm. it, it just it feelings just complicated things back then. You know. Yeah, we had um, bigger things to worry about, like loading yeah. our iPods, loading our iPods, um, wearing baggy jeans. Yeah, maybe going to the park. The park, so nineties, well, yeah. so two yeah. thousands. Absolutely, so two thousands. Going to the park. Um. Oh uh, yeah. So yeah, R.I.P. Jerry Springer. Uh, I thought that was uh, yeah, 
you know, it's it, yeah. too bad when, when a celebrity dies. Um, yeah, yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was an interesting way to put it. Um, yeah, the, it's sad when an important person dies. When an important person dies. Yeah, exactly. Um, All you other chumps that don't have your own TV show, just go lay in the dirt, scum. That's what yeah. I say. Either like, either um, you're famous or you're nothing. Uh, so that actually is kind of a uh, an interesting segue into mm. uh, this little bit of music news that I kind of wanted to talk about. It was uh, it's involving an artist uh, whose album you really appreciated and I really mm. appreciated, Eric mm-hmm. um, Tyler, the Creator. Okay, and yeah, kind of it kind of deals with death actually a little bit. Um, so Tyler, the Creator, has a clause in his will. Mm-hmm. prohibiting the release of any un unreleased posthumous albums. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So after Tyler, the creator is done, then we literally will not hear anything else from him. So it's not going to be like, like Tupac or, you mm-hmm. know, Kurt Cobain or, you know, some mm-hmm. of the others that are really famous. I, I would say Tupac mm-hmm. probably has, I wouldn't be surprised if he has the track record of the most posthumous music mm-hmm. uh, released. But anyway, um, I thought that was kind of interesting. I've never. Yeah. How, I, how sure are they going to, how are they going to stop it? <laughs> that's, that's, that's my that, question. That's what I wonder. And the other thing about it is, is like, how much can Tyler, the creator care when he's dead? Like, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I wonder what the, um, what the thought of that is like why it would be such a such a thought that he felt he had to put that in his will not that i'm against it or anything yeah. i just thought it was interesting you know i don't know yeah it's it's interesting that that happens somewhat often i think in uh, the arts as, as oh, yeah. they call it like franz kafka like mm, yes most of his stuff was released posthumously and uh yeah and it wasn't supposed to be like he his friend put his stuff out even though he asked him not to and then he became you know a pretty big deal and i guess never knew anything about it (laughs) but uh huh yeah i think that happens a lot i don't know yeah um i don't know i guess i could kind of see like what the uh when you're when you put it in that light i can kind of see what the motivation would be um it's like well i mean i'm not around to control my own output at that point and it's just going to be a bunch of people making money off of you know Mm -hmm. me when i'm not living so yeah well it also raises the question of like why keep it around (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean if you're not going to put it out and and then you don't want anyone else to put it out then i don't know there's a there's a little trash can symbol on our on our computer screens that you could you could just drag them right over there you know sure yeah <laughs> yeah and, and and yeah yeah that's true and then in the 60s and 70s before computers mm-hmm. or 80s or even 90s mm-hmm. there were trash cans like Right. Real trash cans. Yeah. Real you know? trash cans. <laughs> yeah. They actually existed back then, you know? <laughs> yeah. like, or if it was on tape, you could just leave it in a hot room and then it would explode. <laughs> <laughs> you could do that with tapes? 
Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm basing that on film. Like back in the, I don't know, long time ago, you know, back then. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like Paramount and some other uh, uh, companies. What are they called? Production companies. Uh, lost yeah. like most of their films because the cell- uh, celluloid is highly combustible. And so it just like... Uh, exploded and burned up but like warehouses full of original prints of films that are just gone now wow that's interesting yeah um hmm. i'm just full of useless bullshit today well i guess that's my deal (laughs) they call me useless bullshit eric that's my name (laughs) useless bs eric yeah um usb eric us usb eric (laughs) plug him in and he just (laughs) that's not even the right acronym oh my god so stupid so you know what isn't bullshit the local literally nothing that we've said okay sorry you know what isn't bullshit that's what you said (laughs) (laughs) well that changes now eric oh because what isn't bullshit is the awesome music scene around the midwest true yeah there's a lot of really good acts and i kind of figured we would just throw our ropes out and we would round up another six what do you think Yeehaw, you're listening to Country Music Radio brought to you by us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, just 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 move on, Eric. Just move on. My my brain is also tired. You're listening <laughs> to Rustic Munch mon- Monkey Tracheas. You were gonna say rustic munchies. <laughs> yeah. Rustic munchy tracheas. I mean, we could definitely, you know, the conversation could delve yeah. into food at some point. Uh, rustic munchies yeah mm. rustic munchie paleo food bars food food bars what are yeah you know those things that come in packages that look like bars oh. and food i thought you meant like a kind of like a drinking establishment but instead you just eat i guess that might well, be like a restaurant that's a restaurant yeah <laughs> <laughs> you ain't from around here are you boy So let's go ahead and get into it. We got a uh, six, I would say, pretty exciting releases here. Yeah. Um, and pretty I think cool. uh, they're all pretty diverse. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Um, I'm gonna start off with a band from Ames, Iowa, called Moon Rabbit, and they just put out. This literally came out like a week ago. I think it was actually last Friday, so it's not even a week old, technically. Nice. Um, and the name of the album is Four, so it's Moon Rabbit Four. Um, now, this band is from Ames, Iowa, and I feel pretty connected to them because Joshua Samuelson, who is on vocals, is an old friend of mine and my best friend, Travis, from high school. He Hmm. um, went to Muscatine High School for a little bit. Um, Geez, I don't know. This was probably my 10th grade, 11th grade year, maybe even my freshman year. Um, And then he moved to Ames, and we've all kept in touch over the years. Um, Cool. 
And the band also includes, and I might totally sabotage some of these names. So I apologize. Sasha Antropor on guitar, Aaron Alcott, I think on bass. And that's the only reason why I say, I think it's because I actually can't read my own writing. Mm, (laughs) And then veteran Sirlan or Sirlan on drums. So yeah, this, the music um, is pretty kind of all over the place here. Um, And, but that's in a really good way. It has, I think a pretty raw production. And at first I would say after the first couple of songs, I heard a very Gothic sort of influence. Um, Josh does have that sort of deep drawl, at least on the first couple of songs with lack of a better way to describe it. That does kind of remind me of like Peter Murphy um, Ian Curtis, some of the old, you know, older goth bands from the eighties. And also at times I would say Marilyn Manson. However, um, things change pretty often. And there then becomes what I think is a pretty pronounced post punk slash grungy, even like somewhat of a noise rock side that kind of uh, comes into play a little bit. Um, at times, uh, the bass playing really reminds me of like Joe Lally from Fugazi. It has that really sort of, and in fact, there are times where I feel the bass really kind of takes over the songs mm. or just not takes over the songs, but it's really driven by, the songs are really driven by the bass. Mm-hmm. The guitars use some unusual chord choices, which I think you know, a lot of times there's like a wire or unwound sort of thing happening or Jesus lizard is another one that comes to mind. And uh, there's kind of this little bits of, I would say homages paid to like indie rock and also definitely a, a huge metal influence. Another thing that this really reminded me of and a lot of this has to do with Josh's ability because I think Josh has a lot of range as a vocalist. Um, his ability to kind of change up sounds with his voice. Uh, honestly, I I heard a lot of Mike Patton influence going on. Like some of this stuff reminded me of Faith No More or Mr. Bungle a little bit. I think the songs are really well put together. And uh, there's definitely like sort of an angst to it. I, I think that there's a lot of um, punk attitude that kind of, I think, is sort of applied to it as well. And I would definitely not say they're a straight punk band, but I definitely think that there's some influences from that going on here. My favorite tracks on here are The Cost, Thanks for the Chaos, which is, I think, a killer opener. And then... Uh, Again, I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing the song title right, but I think it's Anhedonia. Um, and that is actually kind of leans on like an acoustic sort of grungy thing. I mean, that kind of goes into like ballad territory, but it's it's really cool. There's a lot of a lot of areas of like rock music that I think are explored here. And I think they do it very well. Um, besides just all of the stuff that I just mentioned, I would definitely say there's kind of like a cure influence particularly maybe the earlier sort of 
janglier side of the cure. But yeah, um, I think if you're a fan of that kind of stuff, uh, I think there's definitely something on Moon Rabbit that you would find. And I think that uh, it's a really good, I mean, it, they're definitely, it's it's a tight performance. And um, you can definitely tell that they've been a band for a while because the performances are really tight and songs are really good. So yeah, what did you think, Eric? Yeah, I thought it was cool. Uh, like you said, it does go a lot of different places, like a lot. Um, but what kind of connects it is it, overall, it's pretty wild feeling. And I don't know, the word term aggressive kind of has connotations that I don't necessarily mean, but I couldn't really come up with a better word. But yeah, there's a there's a, a heaviness to it for sure. Um, but yeah, I also heard other elements too, like, uh, some garage stuff, um, frog post hardcore, um, you know, like you said, with the Fugazi stuff and then that and amphetamine reptile kind of sound. Um, there's a lot of that stuff in there, but yeah, like song to song there, there's connective elements for sure. Um, the tones, and like you said, the bass kind of drives a lot of it, but they're definitely not nervous about just going into completely uncharted territory at pretty much any moment, which is cool. Uh, it It's really brave, you know, and it, and it comes through that way. It comes through like we want to push the boundaries and we uh, are going to take a lot of risks and chances. And so I thought it was cool. I thought the vocals for the most part, sort of had that garagey kind of sound to them, which gar garage, if I use that term, it, it it's kind of implying something like somewhere in between John Spencer and David Yao. I don't know how to describe that, but to me that sounds like, like heavy garage soul kind of singing. I don't know how to describe that, um, but it is pretty wild most of the time. And then, but at other points, it, it literally goes into like guttural dry lung stuff, like death metal. Uh, it Sometimes it cleans up and doesn't have that wildness to it. But definitely, like you said, I don't think the singer sounds like Mike Patton, but I think the approach is similar, that uh, all of these styles can be explored in the same kind of realm uh the performances are great uh it's really cool and i think if you're a fan of of heavy music that pushes the boundaries and isn't very rigid about like adhering to a specific type of heavy music they, they, you're gonna like it a lot things that it reminded me of the birthday party a little bit uh no means no naked ray gun out of chicago and denava um as far as some of the prog, heavy prog elements. Uh, but yeah, it, it was really cool. And uh, it is it is hard to um, pin down exactly what the sound is, but I would say between what Dan and I said, if you hear things in there that you like already, then I think you would probably end up liking this too. So. Yeah, absolutely. Those are, those are some great comparisons, Eric. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. That, like, honestly, like I, Cause I even tried thinking of like some other stuff. Cause I was like, I couldn't quite pin down exactly like 
comparisons and you know like we both neither one of us are really necessarily fans of just comparing it to other bands but that's right. also the way that you get people to it you is. know yeah listen and it's like the birthday party wow yeah that's totally one that didn't come up in my head <laughs> and that was mostly a vocal thing but also just the approach you know sure so yeah so that brings us to a record called March of Decay by a band called Ill Omen. Uh, they're out of Cedar Rapids. Ill Omen is really cool. I love Ill Omen. <laughs> um, what they do, I, I would call it kind of like crusty, old school, blackened thrash. I know that is a lot of words, but that's because it contains all of those things. Um it's really energetic. And that's my favorite part of this band is I, I don't dare call it fun, but it's energetic and it, uh, it maintains that energy throughout. Like it doesn't feel dark to me, even though it's super brutal. And it, that, that element of it really reminds me of like old school thrash that I adore. You know, I'm not saying that these guys sound like, I don't know, anthrax or whatever. Sometimes, periodically, especially like some of the stomp elements, like in some of the breaks. Um, but, you know, like nuclear assault and uh, violence and things like that, which are really energetic, cryptic slaughter and, and things like that. I just, this doesn't necessarily sound like those things, but it has that same constant energy. Um, you could even look at something like municipal waste, you know, as a, comparison as far as attitude and energy or something but like i said it's brutal it's fast it's flawlessly executed i do want to say though that it's not like a, ret a retro act it's not a revival thing it's not a throwback it's just really informed by what has come before like that's the cool thing about making music you know in the moment is you literally have the entire history of music at your disposal to listen to and take from. And I think Illumin does that really well. You can tell that they're well-versed in this stuff, that they truly love it, and they want to make the best representation of this kind of music that they can. Uh, it's really exciting. Everything I've heard from them makes me just want to hear more. But yeah, things that I actually think uh, share some similarities as far as sound. Uh, some of the older kind of things, Possessed, Celtic Frost, uh, Overkill a little bit, uh, not vocally, um, and Dark Angel maybe a little bit. But, I mean, you, you see where I'm going. This is like, uh, if you love old school thrash, this is pretty much made for you, and I think you'd love it. So what do you think, Dan? Um, yeah, it's absolutely incredible. I, um, you know, being from Cedar Rapids and being as young as they are, um, th you know, we, we also reviewed, um, their earlier EP, um, mm -hmm. a few episodes back. And what I think this album is, is just a total evolution of that EP. They're doing some, some new stuff, but also staying true to what I think their vision is. And, I have a similar description of how I would describe them. Uh, Eric, you, you, you called it uh, kind of like black and thrash. 
And I definitely um, think that this is like an evolved version of old school thrash and early black metal, but it's totally current. Like you said, um, it definitely is not a, not a throwback or a nostalgia act or anything like that. The riffs are amazing. The tone is very heavy. Performance is outstanding. I mean, this, they are one of the tightest acts. I mean, not even just, I would say around here, like, just in metal period that I've heard, you know, recently, mm-hmm. uh, drumming and bass comes through amazingly. I mean, the recording is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't really add too much to the conversation with, uh, what you said, Eric, it's just an incredibly well done representation of metal. And it's, you can definitely tell that it's honest and that they have passion for what they are doing. Um, and there's also a couple of really cool kind of experiments that they do for one thing, the samples that are thrown in, um, at the beginning and end of the song tread that it sounds like it's from like a murder mystery. Yeah. And Luke's voice has, uh, you know, it goes from kind of deep growling, a little bit raspy, uh, sometimes gets a little high. Uh, so that kind of is where the black metal sort of influence comes in. I think, uh, you can definitely tell that these guys, you know, they've, they've done their homework with classic heavy metal. Um, the stuff that it reminds me of, um, everything that Eric said, I would also throw in Bathory. I would throw in early Metallica, um, dark throne. I know I mentioned, uh, with the last EP, um, mid era dark throne. Um, I'll, you know, definitely, um, is all over this as far as influence, I think. I would also say Anthrax, um, early Caven, Slayer. I mean, it it goes a lot of places with metal, but it definitely stays consistent with what it's trying to be. And that is just a really awesome heavy metal act. So yeah, Ill Omen, Mm -hmm. check them out for sure. So now we move on to a group called Murnau, I think it's pronounced Murnau. And this is a two-piece rock band um, from Morrison, Illinois, consisting of Alex Riggin, who a while back, a few episodes back, we reviewed his side solo project called The Houseflies. And he's on guitar and vocals with this one. And then the drummer is Nick Pompu on drums. And again, if I'm sabotaging any of these names, um, I apologize. Uh, the name of this release is called Cellophane Radio. The sound at its core, I think, is very stripped down guitar and drum based rock. Like, I guess I, I guess I would call it maybe post rock. Um, there's definitely some other sounds and instruments kind of thrown in, um, like the use of a mellotron. I think that's on the track Awake, if I remember correctly. The guitars are, you know, really kind of gloomy sounding but also they're they're really bright sounding at the same time like it's not so murky and muddy that it's like i wouldn't call it sludge metal but it there definitely is that kind of an influence on what they're doing i think you know i i don't want to compare like the house flies too much or anything like that but with his other project um it's it's way more kind of 
shoegazy gothy, I guess you could say. And there was kind of a, a wall of sound or cinematic approach to that. I think those elements are also present here, but in a different way in a much more straightforward rock way. Um, and so really, if you go back and you listen to House Flies, it makes sense that he comes from a band like this. One of the things that I think is so awesome on here is they do a PJ Harvey cover, which I think is just perfect for this band. Mm -hmm. I think that they totally killed it. And so, yeah, I mean, the vocals, you can definitely tell that it's the vocalist from the House Flies. And just overall, I think it's great riffs and great drumming. And my favorite tracks on here were Awake, Baltic Sea, Dear Darkness, which is the PJ Harvey cover. I would say that if you're a fan of, well, PJ Harvey, actually, I would say Deftones, uh, maybe Tool, um, definitely some of the more, I guess you could say like post-hardcore bands like Far, Quicksand, Hum and Failure. Um, I think that that's kind of whatever whatever that genre is, whatever that classification is, that's what this reminds me of. Very, very well done. What did you think, Eric? I loved it. I it it was really truly something special that these guys got going on here. I it was nearly impossible for me to truly figure out what was going on. I'm not not what was going on. It was all familiar and all made perfect sense. But to understand what was happening, like I don't know how to describe that. It was it was really familiar in a lot of ways, but presented in a package that brought so many different elements together, but made it sound so natural that it just came off as just really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I thought of it sort of as like, this is such a silly long description, but distortion laden, epic, grungy, goth rock. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, perfect. <laughs> I don't even know what else to say. Like, yeah, it just had all these elements in it, and um, but all of them work perfectly and just seem like a singular vision, you know? But yeah, really cool songs. They're really sprawling and pretty at times, you know, but also really assertive and forceful. Like, that's the thing. I don't want to say it sounds aggressive because I don't think it sounds aggressive at all. It's just really pretty. I think you're... Uh, comparison to, to Deftones makes perfect sense, especially those slower songs that just sort of um, live where they are a little bit uh, and mm -hmm. can be really pretty. Um, but yeah, their sound is just fully formed, completely confident. Yeah, I loved it. And I struggled so hard to find examples of things that I thought it sounded like, but seriously the instant you hear it you know exactly what's happening and you know and you know that you like it you, you you're like oh this is the kind of music i like i don't know how to describe that but um yeah the vocals are really great also follow that sort of like powerful yet tender sort of delivery you know and that to me that's kind of the whole band it's like there's these moments of um vulnerability almost but then there's moments that are just like truly epic and 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 deep and visceral I, I, I don't know I loved it and um yeah things that 
I thought it reminded me of the cure, especially like they use a, like a chorus effect on guitars and, and probably basses too, that really reminded me of that. I guess it's sort of a similar sound of like, um, joy division or something too. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Sebado a little bit in weird ways. Uh, PJ Harvey for sure. And I actually didn't even put together that it was a, a cover. I, I just thought, oh, there's a lot of PJ Harvey in here, especially with the guitar tones. But one group I, I landed on, and I don't think I'm necessarily wrong, even though it doesn't really fit, is Filter. I know Filter sort of has this uh, uh, electronic edge to them or whatever but if you took that away i think uh it could be somewhat applicable here i don't know like i said it's this is a hard one to um to to put into a a mold you know it's um it is its own thing but very much familiar and yeah i just loved it so yeah, yeah super cool record yeah, it, it was it was really cool. Fantastic yeah, it, stuff. It's good stuff for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so next we have uh a release by a band called Early Girl. Early Girl is from Iowa City. So uh Early Girl consists of August Jensen, Talera Jensen, and Aaron Longoria. Um their sound, you know. It's cool. It um I do feel like there's a dichotomy happening in this project, or at least with this release. And there's definitely two sides to what's happening, but it also connects really well and sort of has a, a, an outlook that encompasses both of those feelings. And so it works really well. And it and it gives you some, I don't know, some different kind of feelings and emotions and uh, attitudes to like, uh, I don't know, connect with. And I think that's really cool. But yeah, on one side of it, it's like snotty, hunk oriented, uh, super fun in a way, but then also, and, and you know, a little bit of power pop in there too, maybe. But then there's this other side of it. That's almost like, I don't want to say shoegazy cause that's not what I mean, but that atmospheric sort of indie sound. I don't, yeah, that's a tough one. Like one of the things that, (laughs) one of the touchstones in my life, as far as the sound of certain music is the record soul force revolution by seven seconds, which isn't a hardcore record at all. Um, it has this like kind of lighter indie sound to it, but it's, uh, it's like touches on psychedelic a little bit. I don't know. Kind of like gish. You know, oh, like yeah. Smashing Pumpkins. Like there's yes. this psychedelic element to it. It's hard to explain. But anyway, so some of the moments in this are really anthemic and pissed off and snotty, like I said. But then there's other parts that are super vulnerable and introspective and emotive. And I think it that dichotomy really works. It's cool. Like I said, you can connect with this on quite a few different levels. Um great playing i love the heavy fuzz uh with like really cleanly delivered vocals i think that's a really cool sound it makes it makes it sound uh deep and dense but then also really raw and energetic because those vocals are delivered that way i heard two main singers um 
on the band camp, it lists all three members as singers. So I don't know if it's Aaron, Talera, or August that are the two main singers, but they have very distinct vocals. Sometimes they sing together and some most of the time they're singing on their own, but they're both equally great vocals. And uh, like I said, they just deliver a totally different emotion. And yeah, I, I think it's cool. And I, I really want to see Early Girl and I really want to hear more from them. As far as things it sounded like, like I said, it, it's going to be a little bit different the things that i'm thinking of like i'll just get it out of the way there were moments that reminded me of the b-52s and i know that probably will rub people the wrong way because you know uh but there really were there was just uh modes or whatever musical modes that were similar to me it reminded me a lot of x especially uh xine Cervenka's vocal delivery um l7 at times but then the other side of that, like I said, that Soul Force Re- Revolution record, uh, Sugar, I don't know, things like that, where it's a little bit more emotionally connected, you know? Uh, but yeah, so like I said, I'm excited to hear more from them, and uh, I think it, it's a really cool EP. So what do you think, Dan? Uh, yeah, I loved the hell out of this. My ideas about it are not too far from yours, Eric. I have some slightly different things that it reminded me of, but mm-hmm. I think everything that you mentioned could also, you know, it, it really is not too far off from the stuff that, that I think it reminded me of as well. Um, to me, this was just really well done, fuzzy, jangly, indie power pop. Mm-hmm. I mean, the songs were just extremely well done. But like you said, it definitely does have a um, some undertones of punk rock for sure. Like there is sort of a heavy fuzzy element to it. And there's, I mean, the songs are just so strong, really catchy melodic synths and keys are kind of thrown in, I, or at least I think there are synths and keys on some of the songs. The drumming is just, you know, really great. The vocals now, I also am not sure who who's singing when, but at, at least one of the vocalists really kind of has this awesome sort of like, I have no other way to describe it than like high-pitched kind of nasal quirky sound to it, mm-hmm. which really reminds me of Brandon Lukens of the band Modern Baseball, who we also mm. reviewed a while back, as well as like, Maybe even John Darnell of the Mountain Goats or Daniel Johnston. Now, it, you you mentioned something about the B-52s possibly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people might get the wrong idea. I'm really going to possibly, m- maybe this is kind of a controversial take, but also even like Tom DeLonge from Blink-182 a little mm-hmm. bit. Hmm. Like I heard that sort of. And and that is in no way, I mean, I love some Blink-182 songs. So for me, I thought it was great. It, the the one thing that I really like about it, it's very fun. Um, the songs are very short. I also heard kind of a big surf rock element. Now, I agree with you too, Eric, that there's sort of like somewhat shoegazy like sort of element to it. And it's perfect that you mentioned sort of like a modern indie rock production because what this record, the production on it, what it reminded me of was like the first two Shen's records. Hmm. Or something mm-hmm. like that, which I think that's exactly how I would describe those. Yeah. 
um yeah just really great stuff i i had a blast listening to it um i can't wait to hear more i know that this is a fairly new group uh that i think formed and Mm -hmm. this just came out and i believe this is their first release my favorite tracks off of here i love the song four leaf clover green eyes which i Mm -hmm. that's the one in particular where i heard like a surf rock thing kind of going yeah. on in the that's the one i i was uh referring to the b-52s about yeah B-52s, it was it yep. was the music you know yep. not not the vocals <laughs> absolutely and uh then sink in i thought was really great but i mean the whole thing is fantastic uh as far as some of the things that reminded me of um this might be kind of a weird one but to me i heard some guided by voices that might be kind of odd for some people mm-hmm. uh to hear but i also heard like the beach boys uh, a little bit of cheap trick. I mentioned modern baseball. I even heard some like early Weezer or like mm-hmm. beat happening kind of going on. So yeah, just really fun, catchy, um, you know, just sort of fuzzy indie rock. And it's just, yeah, it was a blast listening to this. Okay. So now on to the center friends full length center friends separation from church and state. So this is the full length from center friends. Uh, you may remember that we reviewed a collection of singles that he released uh, a while back. Uh, and now he has a full length out, which it's actually been out for a while. Um, it's been out for about a year. Uh, for those of you who don't know, center friends is the modular synth project of Luke Tweedy, who also records bands at flat black studios. Um, now on this record in particular, um, it lists on the band camp that he also has collaborators, B Spengler and E Bornstein, and then Jenny Hoiston, who Jenny Hoiston used to be in the band Eraserada and um, Hallways of Always, and has done several collaborative projects with Luke actually, and has recorded at Flat Black plenty of times. Um, so one of the things that I remember we talked about in our review of the singles is that it was really kind of hard to review those singles as like one full piece, which is kind of what we did. We sort of reviewed them as a makeshift EP. And uh, so it was kind of hard to review it as like one, you know, it, it was a collection of separate singles. And I think separation from church and state is, um, Definitely, you can tell in, in comparison that it is one, one consistent piece. The sound, to me, of what Luke is doing here sounds very much like a, okay, this is going to sound kind of weird, but it's kind of a dystopian sci-fi like movie or something that maybe is based on a novel. So it kind of sounds like the end of civilization, <laughs> if you will. But also, I think there's a party going on. Hmm. Like, that's kind of how I envisioned this in my head. So there's a reason why music, a, a lot of times, and I don't know what Luke's thoughts or intentions were here. I'm sure that Luke, he seems like the kind of guy who leaves things up to interpretation, that's my interpretation. And if I'm totally off, um, I apologize, but that's kind of how I viewed it. There is percussion on the track, Bow Your Head, and a bunch of other kind of robotic vocals or just vocals with a lot of, with a, a lot of different effects going on throughout the album. 
But the thing that I really like is the songs flow into each other very, very well. I think these tracks are very epic. You know, there's just a lot of strange sounds that kind of are happening. Yeah, I mean, it sounds dystopian. It, It sounds, you know, kind of like a cross between like an 80s, 70s, 80s synth record at times. You know, it kind of touches on a little bit of like maybe Bruce Hack or Kraftwerk, you know, sort of territory. Other times, I definitely feel um, sort of like a Trans Am thing kind of going on, or even like Luke's previous group called the Shadow Government. And at its core, I mean, I know Luke has always been about addressing certain political issues. To me, I don't think that ever really gets in the way of like the music or anything. I think it, as a matter of fact, if anything, I think it adds sort of a, a little bit of the excitement of, you know, what the record is Um, to me, it never gets boring. And I just feel like uh, there's enough of a flow to the album that it is really interesting. Now I'm, you know, vaguely familiar with synths as I do own one um, at home. And I, kind of mess around with it every once in a while. So I bet Eric will probably have more to say about the synths and the use of electronics and stuff like that. I know that it's uh, mostly composed on a a modular synth. My favorite tracks on here are definitely Bow Your Head, Human Error, which actually was one of the singles as well. So I don't know if this this was sort of a reimagined version of that or if he just used the version that was recorded Um, from the singles. I would assume that he probably re-recorded it, but not sure. Uh, Disconnect. um, Sin Coming On, I thought, was just sick. But yeah, I think if you're a fan of, um, you know, like I said, the Shadow Government, I I heard some like Six Finger Satellite going on. Uh, Two-Way Army, uh, particularly towards the end of the record, um, I definitely heard kind of a little bit of a new wave sort of influence kind of coming through as well. Yeah, Trans Am, Kraftwerk, um, Silver Apples. I mean, this definitely reminded me of a lot of that stuff. What did you think, Eric? Yeah, it's cool. I also do do modular synth. I don't know if you can actually say you play a modular synth. Um, right. Yeah, you do it. And so, yeah, uh, a lot of the movements and feelings are like not feelings. That's... Um, kind of the antithesis of modular synthesis, but uh, no, just kind of um, the, the tones and the approach and things like that. I, I sort of understand on a, on a, on a certain level, you know, um, it's a lot of stuff that is inherent to how modular synths work. And so it was cool to hear someone else doing that. Cause I hear myself doing stuff like that a lot. Um, so, but yeah, it's super cinematic. And like a lot of modular synth stuff, it's very percussive. And I think that's because, you know, for the most part, it's uh, there's a lot of sequence-based things happening, and a lot of things are triggered or played by other things. And so you have this percussive element to it, um, the sequenced element to it. Uh, really cool deep synth tones, lots of cool, and I talk about uh, this filter quite a lot, Um the carpless strong uh filter it's it's like a weird uh, combination of a 
a filter and a delay. Uh, anyway, it's kind of what creates those pluck string sounds or like a bell sound. And it's a very useful tone. And it, it, there's a lot of that in here. And it's super effective and sounds really cool. It it takes it out of being anywhere near like a harsh noise deal. Like this isn't, a lot of times when people hear modular synth or they hear electronic music, uh, as a descriptor, they automatically think like harsh noise or noisy electronics. And that's not what's happening here at all. And sort of along those same lines, uh, with the modular synth, and I don't want to keep re returning to the idea that this is modular synth and that it's not creative. I don't want that to be what it sounds like I'm saying. I just think there's, like I said, inherent elements to modular synth. And so one of them is that you end up with a lot of polyrhythms and you end up with a lot of scales uh, that aren't necessarily based in like Western music. So because of that, you, you end up with, and this included, ends up with a lot of really non-Western sounding rhythms and polyrhythms and scales. And uh, that's super cool. And like, it kind of reminded me of something like African head charge or something, not necessarily musically or like uh, my life in the bush of ghosts, uh, the Eno burn record, you know, something a little more, a little less Western sounding um, cool sounds, lots of movement, lots of changes. Uh, you know, I don't think Luke gets stuck necessarily in just letting things happen. Uh, he's controlling what's happening at, every given moment. Uh, the live drums and the vocals uh, elevate this to something different. And I think it allows for it to maybe have a different identities at times, you know, because sometimes, uh, like you said, there's like angular sort of no wave, new wave moments. Uh, there's meditative sort of long form, I don't know, ambient elements there's some parts that are like really punky, like you said, like with the Trans Am or Six Finger Satellite. And so, yeah, lots of different moods explored here. Super cohesive. I think it sounds great. I listened to some of it in my car. I listened to some of it in headphones, some of it in earbuds or whatever. And on all systems, it, it has a deep, resonant tone. And I think that Luke understanding the recording process, the mastering process, that all comes through on this as well. Uh, stuff that I thought it kind of reminded me of, um, Coil for sure, uh, early Chris and Cozy, uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross stuff mm -hmm. that they've done, and Autesher, like especially early Autesher. Uh, all those things, you know, I think you could say that they have some similarities, but I don't think that this is exactly like any of those. So yeah, I thought it was really cool. See, I told you all that he would uh, talk more about the sense than I. <laughs> <laughs> for, for better or worse, you know, and that's the thing. Like it doesn't, I think sometimes when you talk about the machinery that you use for music, it can seem like it takes away some of the magic. But I honestly think with synthesizers, it adds to the magic. It's part of what makes it cool and fun is that it's sort of more than other instruments. It, it does sometimes have a life of its own and sometimes unexpected things happen. And 
it's a really beautiful thing. And I think it makes it really fun, especially if you can talk to people about it, you know, because, you know, you do take away some of the magic, but there's a magic in understanding what's happening too. So I don't know. That, yeah. Just a little sidebar, I guess, about. No, absolutely. And also, I think, <laughs> right, right. And also um, I'll, I'll try to be very quick about this, but like, mm -hmm. I also think that it's still synthesizers by and large are still, they're becoming way more accepted now, but for the longest time, they were kind of almost treated as like a novelty. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and so by like, kind of like what you were saying, they kind of take on a life of their own when somebody is really, really into them. And the other thing is, is there doesn't seem to be any rule book for them. Whereas for like sure. with a guitar, there's a lot, you know, there's so many rules. Like, I mean, technically there's not, you could detune a guitar and play whatever you want, but mm -hmm. when it comes to the actual process of like learning a guitar or something, you know, sure. um, there's all these rules that, you know, kind of go by. It has to be in the right tuning with synthesizers. You can just kind of go into a different world with it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that's the beauty. Absolutely. Nice. 100%. Yep. Cool. So now I'm going to talk about an artist called Hayes Noble. The record is called Head Cleaner. This came out uh, in February of this year. So a little while ago. So Hayes Noble is from Galena, Illinois. It looks like most of the performances are by Hayes Noble. There's mm -hmm. a bass player that, named Everett that plays on most of the tracks and a drummer named Brett on most of the tracks. But everything else seems to be Hayes Noble. So this was cool. I think our friends in Haploid told us to check out Hayes Noble. So they have good taste. So we did. Um, it was recorded at Future Apple Tree uh, Studios by Pat Stoley. And yeah, this is really cool. It's really cool. I loved it. It's it's so fuzzy. It's one of the fuzziest things I think I've heard in a really, really long time. Like the drums, I don't think have much fuzz on them. <laughs> and uh, vocally, I don't hear a ton of it, but everything else is just buried in fuzz and it's really really cool it sounds so fun the songs are really cool like i don't i don't know how to describe it it's like they're poppy in a way they're upbeat for sure yeah the songs aren't in a hurry by any means but they never drag they have time to sort of blossom and become what they are and find themselves but there's an energy that never really gives way to let that happen it sort of happens within within the i don't know within that the confines of being upbeat it still uh finds a way to like i said blossom the production is really cool i i loved the sound of it the playing's great i loved the drums and i loved the approach of the drums they're just like really bombastic really loud drum playing like really just going for it. And that's one of my favorite sounds in the world. It's just someone really kind of just playing the drums and uh, just letting it fly. And you hear a lot of that. Um, but yeah, the dedication to, to fuzz on this thing is amazing to the point that it, it's celebrated 
in the closer it, that's called fuzz train and it literally is just fuzz and it it's so cool and right now i'm i've been sort of revisiting uh in the airplane over the sea and um that record also has fuzz literally on every single thing recorded and so i was reminded of that in in this Hayes noble and also the drum performances are similar to neutral milk hotel too just that really bombastic approach the songs themselves really reminded me of jay retard and not really the vocal performance but the songs themselves and how they move and how they have that poppy sort of element to them but are still dark and, and it has some teeth to it is what i'm trying to say it also reminded me of some other kind of indie stuff like tripping daisy maybe the flaming lips that you know at a certain point or whatever but yeah you get the idea it's a uh, very fuzzy emotive indie rock i don't know how else to say it and i loved it uh what'd you think dan i also love this record i actually think this record was amazing yeah the songs are very cool to me it screams just punky noisy hazy and fuzzy rock i mean just pretty it's it's pretty straightforward but there's just a lot of curveballs like mm -hmm. in terms of the uh I feel like the songs kind of actually go a few different places. Yeah. The bass and drums are tight. Um, I also felt that the drums were just really heavy. Um, mm -hmm. Hayes has an amazing voice. Um, there's definitely a sense of experimentation. Like you mentioned the last track being like sort of this, like like it was almost it sounded like they were just having a blast recording it and so they were mm -hmm. just they wanted to do this sort of like last hurrah of just pure fuzz yeah. you know there's that there's that going on but also like on the track i believe it was sprawl it is a seven minute long song and it's very catchy uh but then there's this whole like noise it takes a left turn into like noise and then it speeds up and becomes like very punk at the end. And then so it's like kind of almost like being on like this, I don't know, noise rock roller coaster or something. <laughs> but yeah, the songs are are pretty poppy. I think Hayes has a slight raspiness to his voice, but also just perfect, perfect melody. Um, and, uh, the guitar work is awesome too. Hayes, you can definitely tell is a fantastic guitarist. There's also, I think some acoustic guitars that maybe are tracked over the fuzz guitars, which gives mm -hmm. it a kind of cool feel. Hayes does a couple of solos that are just, that just shred. Yeah. My favorite tracks are sprawl, forget it. And what I see Hayes definitely, you know, as far as stuff that this reminded me of, I think that Hayes' voice was a combination of Paul Westerberg, Kurt Cobain, and uh, Blake Schwarzenbach from Jawbreaker. Hmm. Like, that's the vocalist that I would definitely say he reminds me of. Musically, I would also I would say that those three bands, but Super Chuck, mm -hmm. a, right. lot of the, a lot of the... Um, especially like the fuzziness of early super chunk is so present in this group. Mm -hmm. um, I agree with you on flaming lips, especially like the, uh, 
sort of, I guess you, I, I guess you can't really call it necessarily early flaming lips, but um, you know, like the clouds taste metallic sort of era. Also, you know, kind of the shoegazy aspect, just slightly my bloody Valentine um, Siamese dream. I mean, yeah, it just screams all of that stuff, but I really, mm-hmm. uh, his voice really reminded me of uh, yeah. Blake Schwarzenbach from uh jawbreaker for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Fantastic. Indie rock sort of poppy alternative fuzzy indie rock with um noise rock i think definitely like uh, a love for noise rock as well kind of thrown in there so if you're into that kind of stuff check it out and it's also pretty amazing that he's from galena i i'm not sure how much of this stuff is present in galena illinois so Mm -hmm. that's that's pretty awesome um yeah for sure yeah so there we go man a one, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, six, six. <laughs> the number of the beast? Yeah. The oh, number yeah. of the beast. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh I wonder what Iron Maiden is doing now. Today? Yeah, oh, right now. Probably, I mean, probably not probably even watching just a soccer game or <laughs> doing fen- fencing. Fencing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of the two. Or or flying. Yeah, they could be flying a jet. Flying a jet, yeah. You know what we should do? We should do a segment on every episode. What is Iron Maiden doing? <laughs> like, you know, and then we could just ponder what they're doing at this moment. Killing Margaret Thatcher in an alley. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Can it be any member, including Eddie? <laughs> yeah, well, Eddie. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Eddie is a member now, isn't he? He's dismembered. He, he's yeah, yeah. He's earned his he's earned his keep, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he's an original member. You know. Yeah. <clears throat> Arguably the first. The first member. <laughs> Arguably. I mean, I I don't know. Is there anybody be- was there who was who was before Eddie? Well, Eddie was made for the band Iron Maiden who already existed. <laughs> yeah, you can't convince me of that. A lot. But you're right, because I you know, I saw that uh that album cover. And Eddie was like on a pyramid, right? He's like a sphinx mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, like that's that's ancient history. Yes. So he's been around a really long time. He's done a lot of stuff. Like, I mean, he was in hell. Yeah. Uh, he was even in the future for a while. Mm-hmm. Man. Um, he's disintegrated into blue clouds over like ice sculptures. Yeah, while holding his heart while, out yeah. of his body. Yeah. Was that his heart or was that a fetus? Oh, snap. Good question. Hey, listeners, if you have an opinion whether Eddie's ripping out his heart or a fetus on the cover of Seventh Son, let us know for no real purpose. <laughs> yeah, no real purpose at all. We're You're t- not going to win anything. We don't have anything. Well, yeah, that was uh, really cool. Some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. from iowa illinois i think mostly this time yeah Iowa. yeah illinois. i mean that's so. pretty much um that's i mean yeah yeah definitely which brings us to um if you're in a group or you know somebody who's in a mm-hmm. group that we should cover or you just want to you know let us know what your thoughts are about the podcast or what we do um contact us at instagram or at accelerative.thrust at gmail.com yeah yeah but you know be nice because <laughs> we're very sensitive people mm-hmm. like yeah we we might cry on the air I, i'm crying just thinking about someone being mean to me right now. yeah 
So yeah, uh, thank you all you listeners. We appreciate you. And um, thank you all the local bands, all the local artists that make us want to keep doing this every week. Yeah. Keep telling us about yourselves. Send us stuff or send us info. Tell us about bands that you've seen that are awesome. And if you're on tour right now, which some of our friends are, and you play with somebody that's awesome, then Kansas City or something, let us know because that would be really cool. We'd love to absolutely. have more info about other scenes. As well, yeah, so. absolutely. How about this? On the count of three, we'll do our, we'll do our bye. Okay? Oh my god. Okay. One. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> oh jeez. Uh, weird times in the nineties. <laughs>